0: Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the
1: Fuck,
0: where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swikowski. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Excited? Yes. For today's topic. As am I. Awesome. Today we're talking about sin.
2: Ooh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So would you give us some background on this topic, Pastor Joel?
2: Sure thing. So sin, right? It's it's the big issue, the big conflict within us human beings. Mm. Is this the thing that needs to be overcome within us? How do we deal with sin? So we know we all have sin. So the, the, the history background of this is we humans are all sinners. So what do we do? How do we overcome it? How do we deal with it? So that's really the the background is simply that. This is the, the big conflict within us human beings.
0: Nice. So how have people been hurt by
2: this in the church? This actually might be the one topic that's the root of the most damage in the church. Not only in what sin is and what that means to us as human beings, but How it's been defined and how it's been applied in the church is a whole other issue. So we all sin, yet within the church there are competing perspectives on how to deal with it. Some people will blame their sin as if it's sin's fault that they make mistakes and that they're disobedient and that they have all these issues. It's the sin in my life. Like, I have no power over whether or not I sin. And some people deny that sin is an issue at all. So the the worst part of this, though, is leaders exhibit the most hypocrisy when it comes to this topic. Because even though they sin, yes, those leaders do sin. Some use this topic to control others. The way they do that is through appealing emotionally to them and by, by really using people's guilt over sin to control them. But like with most doctrinal topics that we've covered, the deep issue here is that sin's incorrectly defined in the church. And we what we end up seeing is the application then is people are treated like animals or like robots. In other words, people are treated the same and we're not treated like human beings where human beings are unique.
0: So what does this conflict and issue look like in the church?
2: Well starting with the strict side here. So that you know we we see there's really competing perspectives. The one one perspective, the strict side is defining sin as missing the mark.
0: A definition.
2: It is. There is a definition on the strict side. Hmm. But the issue with this definition is, what's the measure for missing the mark? Mm. Is it the same for everyone? Mm. And here's the thing. I'll even get, like, sometimes I've had conversations about this with people. I'll often get the response to the question, what's the measure for missing the mark? By a person saying, well, anything that doesn't bring glory to God. Okay, Okay. great. They're answering the question, but a follow-up to that is, so if I flip a coin, does that bring glory to God? Huh. Because if it doesn't, is flipping a coin a sin? Yeah, so already seeing the strict side, they do have a definition, but this is definitely the issue where everybody gets treated the same Because missing the mark isn't measurable uniquely.
0: Ah, sure. So there's not, so it's, there's kind of no way or it's difficult to prove what missing the mark actually means. Right, right. Okay. Cool. So how does someone who believes that sins missing the mark support that perspective with the Bible?
2: I can't necessarily point to the Bible for support here, but Bible dictionaries that so-called Bible scholars often use will find the definition of sin in those dictionaries as miss the mark. Hmm. But who created dictionaries? Do we think the Webster's Dictionary was divinely inspired or was it written by men? Hmm. So You know another a Question I could ask and follow up to that Even is does does the man-made Dictionary always Represent what God means by the words He uses So dictionaries are great I'm not against dictionaries But they're fallible
1: hmm.
2: They're a tool That doesn't right. always work Because remember the flipping The coin illustration Mm-hmm Sin can't only be focused on the action. There's a deeper level to sin than just what the behavior is. And that's really the strict side, missing the mark. One of the big issues there is that it does focus only on the behavior. Hmm. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, now we're getting into past, I can see how we're getting into past podcasts because this missing the mark, what the mark is, is, you know, I can see that being things that possibly can be measured, like not drinking, not smoking, all of these things where a man is labeling what that mark is.
2: So if you do drink, you're singing bingo you've missed the mark
0: because I can measure that
2: right yep, I can absolutely.
0: measure I can measure what it is that you're doing and as long as it's you know kind of traditionally a bad thing then you've missed the mark you're sending. And
2: but we've seen you know in the, like the drinking episode for instance mm-hmm. we showed how drinking isn't always wrong right <laughs> right so therefore if Th- that's why this is such an issue because it mm-hmm. does treat everyone the same and it doesn't account for the how and why behind the action.
0: Right. So, okay. So someone has this strict perspective and, and they're coming towards me. How do people, how would I argue against this? You know, what's the actual issue going on here, Pastor
2: Joel? Well, I'd ask if it was me, I would ask, how do you measure missing the mark? Like we uh-huh. talked about it just a little earlier. So in other words, what's, what is the mark? And, and this is where hopefully at this, hopefully, you know, in this part of the conversation, the person's actually wanting to understand. And hopefully my goal is to understand them. But as we continue to discuss this, one of the things that I'd like to bring up is, you know, Jesus says, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you have sinned. Hmm. Where's the action there? Because he accounts that if a married man does that he would account that as adultery yet there was actually no intercourse hmm. there was no action but it was still sin you know and james in his letter says if you if you know to do something and you don't do it it is sin to that person so where's the blanket application there how does that apply to every human being because we don't all know the same thing wow
0: well that is a great perspective so let me so let me summarize this this strict perspective so the church has misdefined and misapplied the doctrine of sin and they define it as missing the mark using the dictionary as the standard and focusing on the actions and behavior that is the same for everyone essentially treating everyone the same making everyone a robot so right. everyone is treated like a robot or judged with that same uh, ba- uh you know that same level based upon their behavior right with a bad definition with a bad application absolutely wow Awesome. Well, then let's jump to the loose perspective. Well, actually, before we do that, look at that. We have a call from McMillan, Alabama. All right. Pastor Richard Tater, you are on the line. Hello, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jonathan.
1: This is Pastor Richard Tater calling y'all, saying, God bless you both. I was always taught. That sin was defined by the Old Testament laws. Now, gentlemen, I have a photographic memory. I I, I never shared that with y'all before, but I always knew this couldn't be the answer because Abraham, Moses, and several others broke these laws and God still considered them friends. Uh, What I learned from my mentors was a pastor can't appear to be wrong. So whenever young whippersnappers like y'all would point out this contradiction, I was supposed to distract or intimidate y'all until y'all stopped asking questions.
2: Well, thanks for sharing, Pastor Tater. I have a question. If, if you have a photographic memory, then you ought to know the definition from the Bible, right?
1: Uh, Correct. Romans 14, 23. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I knew the definition of faith, but I never understood it until your show on faith. That's why I wanted to know when you were going to do a show on faith. However, the restoration program is helping me understand all of this. I can't wait for shows on grace and salvation. I will definitely have someone to say on those matters.
0: Those are the topics that will close out season two, Pastor Tater.
1: Excellent. I'm going to hang up and listen. This was my favorite podcast. Too hate. God bless.
0: Alrighty. Thank you for the call, Pastor Tater. Pastor Joel, any thoughts?
2: Restoration has given him all the answers, especially Uh to these, you know, key doctrine. Now I have the question, how would missing the mark fit the verse that he quoted? Romans 14, 23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We saw faith as a belief in something without seeing either because it's invisible or it hasn't happened yet. And everyone has a different level of faith, which would then imply sin is going to look different for everyone. And that point runs throughout the Bible. So are you going to stick with the man-made dictionary or the word of God?
0: Nice. So what's the other side of the argument, Pastor Joel?
2: The loose side is, I no longer sin. You know, I'm a Christian. I am made righteous through Christ. Mm. You know what? Second Corinthians 5.21 even says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And First 1 Peter 1.16 says, We are declared holy. So that's really the loose side is, I don't have sin in my life anymore.
0: Wow. So how have people been hurt by that perspective?
2: People are being hurt because people are sinning. Even believers sin. It 1 John 1 8 says, if we believers say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we even believers sin and we're hurting people with this perspective because we're giving them a rationalization to not make up for the sin in their life. Now, there's a contradiction. Everyone sins and I don't sin cannot both be true. Mm. We also saw that our bodies give us a feeling when we sin, right? which we call guilt. Everyone feels this. And trying to ignore this feeling, trying to ignore the guilt we have in our lives can lead to depression. So really want the question I have is, how have people, if, if I'm going to answer the question, how have people been hurt by this perspective? I follow it up with this question. Are we leading people into depression with this loose perspective? Are we helping people be more depressed by reinforcing this flawed belief that, we no longer sin.
0: Hmm. Cuz then where, you know, where would that guilt be coming from, right?
2: Great. Yes. Where where is that coming from? And that's and that's one of the reasons it does lead to depression if it's not dealt with. Hmm. These people will spend more effort instead of dealing with the guilt in the right way, which we talked about confession and repentance in earlier episodes. I try to overcome that feeling through effort by just trying to make myself feel better. By overcoming that feeling as a cause. But we know that guilt is an effect of some deeper thought process issue. And if that deep, deeper thought process issue isn't dealt with, it's just, you know, it's like running your car with the check engine light on, like we talked about in a previous episode. Right. Eventually those problems start compiling and the problem becomes so disastrous that the car breaks down.
0: Wow. So how would you handle an interaction with someone who held
2: the loose perspective? Why well, with the, the loose side, what we try to do is stay a little indirect, ask questions and maybe share them myself. One of the things I would do is say, okay, you're made righteous through Christ. You don't sin. So that must mean you never confront anyone For doing anything wrong against you right Mm. and just leave it alone at that ask that question you can wait for them to respond but whether they do or not the question in and of itself is going to reach the part of the brain that this person is letting lead their life
0: Hmm. awesome so when you see this going on in the church
2: what are your thoughts I'm bummed that people are using the dictionary, a man-made tool, as the standard for understanding God's doctrine. Again, dictionaries are great. I use them all the time. But are dictionaries the standard Mm. for truth, the standard for God's doctrine? What if the definitions in those dictionaries contradict God's word? Right. Do I still use it as the standard? So dictionaries, again, they're they're not wrong or bad. Dictionaries are a great tool, but they ought not be used as the standard for truth. Ultimately, I ought to be finding the definitions that do not contradict God's word. Definitions that apply throughout the entire Bible. So then I see this manifest itself in three categories. There's the people that we feel sorry for. I feel sorry for the people who, say they have no sin. Yet the sin in their own lives results in guilt, which damages them and other people when they ignore it. If I feel guilt from the sin in my life, it's not just me that is hurt when I ignore it. I'm also hurting the other people, especially if that sin was against someone else. Mm -hmm. So the big issue here is these people are ignoring the abuse that's happening to others, but not to them, which can lead to depression. So this is man-made doctrine. We talked about how the Bible said to deal with sin through confession and repentance and forgiveness. And through that, we see the way we understand those key doctrine actually is helping people. Then there's the people we understand. I understand why, why people do what they do when they know they sin and they know others sin, yet they don't have a standard for what sin actually is. So these people may have a hard time dealing with sin due to their misunderstanding of it. These may even be people who get sinned against or who sin others and jump right to the forgiveness. You know They don't understand how to deal with it, so... They do what, you know, what they think is right, but their standard is flawed. Mm. But these people do know sin is an issue. And they may even be the the type of people who think sin is the same for everybody. Where because they don't necessarily have a standard, a lot of times these people that we understand are determining sin in people's lives based on the actions, the behavior alone. Mm. Then there's the people that we're impressed with. I'm impressed with the people who know that they sin and they know how to deal with the sin in their own life. In fact, one of the big reasons I look up to these people is these people are first looking to find the sin in their own life Mm. before they look for the sin in others.
0: That's awesome. So what is our ultimate answer in, as it relates to sin, Pastor
2: Joel? The ultimate answer is the definition according to God that actually Pastor Tater shared. It's anything done apart from faith. So what we could see, another way you could see this is anything I do, any behavior, any what, that is something apart from my understanding and experience or my why and how so remember anything done apart from faith we know faith is built by understanding and experience so another way i could see this is sin is anything that i do or say that is apart from what i know and what i understand to be right nice so seeing sin as anything done apart from faith points to the fact that my response to my sin is really the true measure that I ought to be looking for. That's awesome. We saw in James 4:17 to him therefore that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So this falls in line. This is a great application verse to the verse Pastor Tater shared from Romans 14, 23. Because nice. here what we see, to him, a unique person that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. This is one of those verses that our original senior pastor from Music Life Church used to say, man, Pastor Joel, Pastor Jonathan, this is one of those verses that I read in the Bible. And I'd think, man, I wish I didn't read that verse. Mm. Why? Because it convicted him as a unique person. It removed his ability to, to look at sin just as a what. And now it also mattered what I know to be true, what I believe, and the my thought process, my beliefs, my worldview, all that plays a part in, in in my sin, the same as it does in my faith. And we even see John 15, another way to look at this, to really prove that sin is much more than just what, but it's also the how and why. Jesus says in John 15, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. In other words, Jesus is saying, my words built their understanding and experience of nice. what is right. Nice. The standard for how to live their lives was increased. And that increase of standard that standard of what was right, because I built it now removed the excuse of sin in this area of their life. But the implication there is that before he spoke these words, it wouldn't have been sin. Why? Because nice. they didn't know any better. Now they know better. They can't claim what Paul claimed to, to Timothy when he wrote to Timothy. And he said, I was ignorant in my unbelief. They road to Damascus When Paul gets knocked on his butt, removes his ignorance. Hmm. And now at that point, his response to his sin is going to show whether or not he's a Christian.
0: Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been
1: hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.